Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts. This one is dedicated, belatedly, but now just in time for the film's release on home entertainment, DVD and Blu-ray and 4K and Sky Store and <laughs> iTunes and <laughs> all that jazz. Netflix in the US, yeah. not over here. And yeah. you know, all that jazz and it's all good. It is Gina Prince-Bythewood's The Woman King, one of the best films of last year and a film we're very much looking forward to chatting about in the studio over the next 45 minutes or so. Who's we, Chris? I hear you yell at your podcast device of choice. I've gone all Terry Wogan. Uh, well, we are joined <laughs> in the studio by, and I'll be honest, I've ripped this off from the man himself, the Warman King. <laughs> Amon Warman is here. Hello. Hello, <laughs> Hello Amon. <laughs> Such a bond. I'm on. I'm on. Hello there. That's going to be one. <laughs> and I'm, I'm reading this up. This is verbatim. Okay. I'm on. Why have you not bathed? You were going to bring the buzzards. Wow. <laughs> That's the line. Wow. That's the line oh you're taking. Oh my God. Wow. wow. <laughs> I was I paused it. I went back. I put the subtitles on. I was oh like, that God. is Amon's oh. introduction. Wow. Thank you very wow. much indeed. Thank you very You're much. You're lucky we have these earphones on. I'll take, off the, I'll take off the earrings. How? The disrespect, though. Um, here we go. Here we go. I, I, I'm, I'm getting the sense there's going to be a lot of Nigerian accents on this, on this podcast. It's I'm going to recuse Chris. myself from this conversation. Kalechi Ihenyolo is also here. How are you? I am good. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast again. This is going to be a blast. No, this is, is going to be... I might just shut my microphone off. <laughs> <laughs> for the next 40, 40 minutes or so. Uh, anyway, listen, before we get into the film, and there's a lot to get into uh, with this film, uh, should we hear from Gina Prince-Bythewood? Yeah. Yes. All right, she's been waiting outside for ages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've long wanted to do that. Just bring a director in, like, in the middle of a spoiler special and then kind of, you know, no no criticisms with this one. We've got, you know, but imagine if we brought someone in for a terrible film. Oh, gosh. And then we just had to, like, kind of tiptoe around that for 45 minutes while they sat there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. It it's, not a great, mm. it's not a great format, I'll be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress. It's yeah. a work in progress. I'm, I'm, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, Gina Prince-Bythewood, she came in to talk about this movie late last year. And uh, we sent Helen along to have a chat with her. Helen O'Hara, who is not here today. Where is she? Come on, you know, you know where she is. She's in you should have a tracker on Helen. <laughs> let me just check on my fancy new iPad. Uh, oh, oh yes. you got the iPad, did you? I did okay. get the iPad. Uh, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's, here's Gina Prince-Bythewood. <laughs> Started to mean to go on talking to Helen O'Hara. Do please enjoy. Hi, Gina. First of all, congratulations on the film. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, how does it feel to have made Viola Davis, uh, you know, winner of the acting triple crown into an action queen as well? Um, I am honored to be the one to uh, bring her into this world. But also, I think what was so special is to be able to bring her incredible acting talents to the genre, um, certainly. And I think it's what kind of makes her stand out so much uh, in this film, the fact that she infused the action, the sequences with this great performance, which is what I think makes great action. A hundred percent. I mean, you've, you've talked in the past about this film being sort of intimately epic. And I, I think that's something that, that's clearly very, very close to your heart and very important. And it's one of the reasons, I guess, that you get a Viola Davis for this role, that you that there's something there for her to engage with and, and bring all that talent to. Absolutely. She 
I mean, she calls this her magnum opus, and and I agree. It's it's a role that I think years ago she could only maybe not even dream about, and yet here's this this incredible character, this general one. How often do women get to play a role like this, and certainly black women? And it's been everything for her to be able to go on this incredible survivor's journey that her character goes on. It also lead this real female army um, in the way that they existed in history. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 it is something that you know. I've I know you've talked about this before, but the um, there's still this resistance in Hollywood. I mean, the script was written in what 2016 or something. Uh, to understanding that you know straight white cis able bodied male is not a human default setting everyone else is not a special interest group there's the, you know we're st- you're still having to dismantle those tropes after your entire career after Viola Davis's entire career mm. after it's proven wrong again and again <laughs> no it's i mean it's it's tough hollywood is tough um there's a sameness absolutely but i do you know, Black Panther absolutely changed the game. Woman, uh, Woman King, um, Wonder Woman, yeah, absolutely changed the game. Opened the door for the Woman King to exist, and the hope is with the success of the Woman King that keeps that door open. Because I think what's so exciting about this is that it's something we haven't seen before. I know as an audience, like I love going to the movies. I love seeing something I haven't seen before. I love being taken into worlds that I haven't been into before. So. My hope is that hunger um, is never satiated and we keep getting to tell new stories from new lenses um, because that's exciting. That's what Hollywood should be. Yeah, absolutely. Cinema is an empathy machine. We should be, you know, using it to explore strange new worlds, essentially, and and very familiar worlds that just haven't been on screen before, 100%. So, you know, tell me, what state was this story in when you came to it? Did the script change much? uh, Did it evolve much through the process? Mm-hmm. Um, when I came to Dana Stevens, written a really, really good script. Um, it was exciting to read, and I knew immediately this this is this was my next movie. Um, and then it's just a nature of it. Once a director comes on, despite everything that may have happened before, it becomes a director's vision. And so it was Dana and I really working on the script, heightening the script, digging more into the characters, and then. For me, it was important for me as a black woman to bring my lens to it. And um, that may be speeches that, that these characters are saying or the character Malik and, and what he is going through and what his voice is. You know, there are certain things that me as a black woman needed to bring to the script. Um, there was a ton of research once I came on that deep dive, which is what I love to do, that those discoveries and being able for Dana and I to incorporate those discoveries into the script to bring more authenticity, more truth to it. Um, It was just a really great collaborative process. And, uh, you know, it was always no ego. It's about the movie, what makes a better movie. And that type of environment is, is what I love to work in. I wanted to ask you about that kind of detail because, you know, I'm not a historian. I haven't done as much research, but even just looking at pictures of the Dahomey and the Agoji online, you know, the the uniforms, the outfits look identical. You know, you've clearly gone deep into the archives and, and gotten everything there is to get about, about mm-hmm. this. So how important was that kind of detail and what bits, you know, did did you add into the script as you went into the production? Gosh, a lot. I mean, there's so many favorite things 
because they added to the story. But I mean, certainly um, in the research, discovering that these women used to create elaborate choreographed dances before battles or to celebrate the king or to honor each other, to be able to put that into the story, to create those dances, um, to actually have some of the actual lyrics that they used to sing. You know, wow. these songs have been passed on generation from generation. Um, the little um, figures that they put on the heads of the dead and what that means to, and to be able to use that as a story point, it's just a little runner, but, you know, to be able to put that in, certainly the nails, you know, that's real, the palm oil on their bodies, um, understanding that and the reason for it so that their opponents couldn't get a good grip on them, um, the type of food that they ate, um, what the barracks looked like, the fact that you didn't have pillows, but Naniska has, you know, the, the headboard, all of that is just such fascinating things to be able to infuse into a script to bring more authenticity. And it's not even for, it's not just for the audience and because we're telling a, a story based on truth, but also for the actors to be able to give them a 360 playground and make every moment of this existence real for them. And that was the beauty of also building the whole palace so that as they walk on set, they're not seeing cars, they're not seeing airplanes above, they're not seeing anything but life in the homey in 1823. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I also loved, you know, some of the, that detail in terms of the importance of learning kind of runs through the film. So you've got, um, you know, now we being very contemptuous of the rope as a weapon early on, and then using it like unbelievably well, you know, by the end of the film, you've got Naniska being, you know, having a practical joke essentially played with gunpowder, but but clearly filing it away. And even as a general, even as the most accomplished warrior of the lot, she's still like, oh, there's something I can take from this. I can, I can pick this up. And I love that sense of collegiality that that gave to these women. Yeah, that, the planting those seeds um, was actually, it's just fun and be able to pay them off. Because yeah, so much of, of this environment, the sisterhood, was about learning from each other, teaching what is leadership. And it's not just Naniska, who's been the leader for all these women, but in creating the Azogi Nawi relationship with Lashana Lynch and Tusum Bedu, and really building that because that mentor mentee relationship and these two women who have a connection because of their shared trauma, you know, and seeing Azogi seeing herself in this young woman and wanting to help and guide her. I, I think all of us can identify that and root for that. And obviously it becomes a heartbreaking thing because of their connection, but also the things that Izogi is trying to teach her ultimately lead to, you know, consequences. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I like, so this is a spoiler interview as I, I hope someone has, has told you this is uh, one of Empire's spoiler interviews. So I do want to ask about the, that amazing battle scene. Um, Late on in the film, I mean, it, it. First of all, you've got some incredible action choreography, and was that also sort of taken from, you know, as many details as you could glean from the historical record, or was it a matter of figuring out, well, given everything we know, how how else would these women fight? That that was fun to dig in with Danny Hernandez, our fight and stunt coordinator. Um, those were our early discussions of. These women really beat men. We understand that it was hand-to-hand -hand combat, machetes and spears, um, that they trained 24-7, that they use nails, that they use oil. So 
what what does that look like? And going back into history, also looking at different martial arts styles that came from um, different African countries, infusing that. And again, we have to, as an audience, understand how these women beat men. Um, so we always had to have that. So I can to to be able to deep dive into that. But then also, all of these women are individuals. They're all bringing something different to their fighting styles. Um, so how does a Zogi fight and why does she fight like this? You know, well, she was traumatized as, as a child and now every person she's facing, she wants to decimate. She's bringing that feral energy to it. Now we is five, th- well, I, do, I said five, three, Tusa said she's five, four. So now we <laughs> is five, four. She's smaller. How does she beat a bigger man? Well, she's going to use her speed. Uh, she's going to use her brain. Naniska is just strong. And we'll just go forward in the battle. So what does that look like? So the specificity of their fighting styles as well, so that there's not monotony to it, that there's it's character-driven, it's story-driven, um, which for me makes for more interesting action. Absolutely. And you've got you've got that um a great sense of place and kind of geography to it as well, you know, with that sort of wide shot at the beginning with the a kind of termite mounds or what appear to be termite mounds just exploding yeah. everywhere and then kind of racing into battle. Yeah, that's the smarts of that. How do we, this is David and Goliath. So how do we bring down Goliath to a size where we can have an even battle? And as you said, to to be able to plant the seeds of the gunpowder and then knowing to use that and using palm oil, which is so much a part of their culture, you know, that's some brilliant uh, stuff for a general to come up with. So. Yeah, that that was the the fun part, but also you had touched on the fighting as well in this. What for me as a director, what absolutely helped because I wanted to showcase these women and how they fought and celebrate their skill and athleticism. I needed the actors. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have stunt doubles, and you know, for the actors to believe in that vision and believe in it enough to put in the work that it was going to take. And they will all say, um, which I'm actually proud of, this was the hardest film they've ever done because of that. Wow. Um, their training was next level. Months, months and months and months of work of six days a week, two times a day. Just five, five and a half hours of just training a day. But that's what it took so that I could have longer takes. I didn't have to quick cut. Um, I could be back from the action for a moment and then come back in. But you got to see what these women were doing. You got to see performance within these scenes. And and that's a game changer. Yeah. I mean, you also, I think, have said that this was the hardest film you've ever made. Was that mostly because of the COVID difficulties and all the added complications that that brought? Or was it just the the sheer scale of this and and things like that, having, having everyone do their own stunts? So many things. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, the hardest is this is this is a big film and, you know, we have a budget and to keep a budget down, the first thing that you do is you cut days. And that's really tough, you know, to, that I know I have to get all this stuff in. I have to get great performances and I can't ever let the actors know that. I'm dying every day trying to get it all in. They that can never touch them. Um, so that's that's the tough thing to 
to try and get everything at the level that you want in a short amount of time. COVID, Omicron hit, that was really tough, not only because it shut us down for a couple of weeks, but also when we came back to be safe, we had to completely cut down on the number of background. We had to rethink in terms of stunts. We had to bubble everyone because, of course, our actors, they're not masked. They're sweating. They're spitting on each other as they're doing these action scenes. Um, so that was really tough. Having the actors do their own work and not be able to eat uh, as, as much as they would like to. I mean, that that was really hard on them making sure that they were safe when they're doing their own stunts. The fact that we got through this entire shoot and they got, when you do an action film, you're going to get hurt at some point. The key is never to get injured. And we worked really hard to get their bodies in a place where they could do 17, 18, 19 takes wow. of, of something. Um, it, they, I mean, these women are warriors. They are absolute warriors. Um, so it was tough. And then being on the continent um, and away from our families certainly is is always tough, but we had each other and we literally felt that, that we had each other. We're here for a reason to tell the story, to honor these women. And that got us through everything. Yeah. And you you do feel a sort of sense of sisterhood and a sense of bond between them. Just, And I'm guessing a part of that does come from just months and months in the gym, really. Yeah, together. I mean, <laughs> they call it trauma bonding. I call it, <laughs> you know, rehearsal. But it is. It's the best way to build camaraderie and build that sisterhood because they're training together. They're going through it together. They're competitive in the best way with each other, but they're also lifting up each other um, at the same time because everyone is going to have that moment where you plateau and it's so hard and you're crying and you don't know how you're going to get through it. And then you look over and Viola Davis, who's 57 years old, is in there giving 100% and and she's pushing you to to find that in yourself. Like that's a beautiful thing. So you saw those dynamics that you see on screen. Those were showing up in the weight room in the in the fight choreography and um that's that's a beautiful thing to have someone like Viola as that figurehead that everybody can look to yet she doesn't behave like that. Everyone knows she is greatness personified. But she doesn't walk on set as if you can't touch me. She wants everyone to feel as part of this one ensemble to get the best work from everybody. That's amazing. Um, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the men, but they are a part of the, the film at the same time. So I, I do have to ask about, you know, you've got this fascinating of, uh, figure of King Gezo. And, and I thought it was an, a, a fascinating performance from John Boyega because he is he is playing like a dandy and the guy who just sits there looking pretty while all the women go off and do the work. But at the same time, he does have weight and authority and, and presence. So it's not, you know, it's not a simple sort of foppish king by any means. It's it's much more interesting than that. And then um, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got kind of um, Jimmy Odekoya as Abba Ade, who is, I mean, you have to believe that he can be a threat to these women, having established how, you know, effective they are. I thought it was really, really impressive that he actually managed to make you worried about them. Yeah, I mean, certainly the men are, are and their characters are so wholly part of this film. I mean, I know we, we talk about the women a lot, but it was important because ultimately, this is a kingdom that that needed both the the men and the women to survive. And um, so to be able to see them work together, I mean, John Boyega 
is an incredible actor, but I also knew he was going to bring that swagger and charisma of a young king. And Gezu at this time was young and suddenly this position of power at a time that they were absolutely in flux of which way are they going to go. Um, and so, as you said, there are big decisions weighing on this young man. Um, and he's got this incredible general, this female general that he looks to. Um, so their dynamic was really fun to be able to play in those two. Like John has said, you know, I took this movie because I want to, I want to, you know, go toe to toe with Viola Davis. And you felt that in those scenes and Jimmy, yeah, in casting, it was really hard to cast that role because, you know, who can go toe to toe with Viola Davis? Who do we believe? Who are we scared of for her? Because knowing their relationship within the film that's revealed, we have to feel that um, who can be formidable enough. And Jimmy, even without opening his mouth, you know, you, you feel his power. So it was really exciting to be able to find him. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I, I really was very worried at times during the film. So it, it worked. It really worked. Um, what about the history? I think the one criticism that's been made of this film, as indeed is true of things like 300 and Braveheart and all the rest, is is about the history. Because you're telling a story, I guess, and you have, you know, chosen chosen which which facts and which to include and, and not. But, you know, what's your what's your reaction to some of that? I know there was a great piece last week about it. Yeah, I think, well. The thing is, the majority of, and thankfully it's, it's, you know, been minor, but the majority has been from people who hadn't seen the film. Mm. And there's assumption we weren't dealing with the realities of this kingdom. And we are. It's threaded throughout the entire film. It's, it's um, So I know once people see the film, most of that goes away. It's also the nature of when you do a historical epic. You know, people are going to question, but that is why we did that incredible deep dive. That is why we brought consultants and academics from Benin, from the place that this actually took place, be able to separate the history that's unfortunately online that's been told from the wrong perspective, um, that there's so much untruth to that and get to the real truth of who these women were, who the society was, the beauty of the equality of men and women having equal say in the government and the council in the army. Um, so truth and authenticity was absolutely our, our, our North star, um, as it should be in these type of films. Um, so we created these incredible characters that exist in the real world, in this real world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, I wanted to ask as well about, um, you chose um, mostly female or people of color as as heads of departments, um, mm -hmm. including, for example, like the, your DOP, Polly Morgan, who I interviewed last year for my book, who is mm. like a massive star in the making. I feel like, um, you know, what, what did that what did that bring to it in terms of that texture and that authenticity? I I put together the best crew. Our heads of department are phenomenal. From editor Terry Shropshire, who has cut every one of my films, to Polly Morgan, to Gersha Phillips, who did costume, to Sarah Bennett, who did uh, VisFX, um, our supervisor. There's so many. Akeem McKenzie, our production designer. And so many of them have shorter resumes than many men in the industry and in their positions. But for me, I look past the resume because I know I've been in that position where I know I have the talent, but I haven't been given the opportunity. And that's the same with all of these. These folk made the film better. Um, 
I was fortunate to have them as a part of it. And in looking past the resume, you're you're really listening to what are they going to bring. And what every one of them brought was incredible. And it's up on screen. And they there's a hunger because you want to prove yourself. You now have this opportunity that you've been wanting. So, you know, they're working like they're work, you're not going to outwork me, but everyone was very, very close because they wanted to give everything. They wanted to prove themselves. They wanted this film to succeed. They wanted to tell this story. That's what you want. And to a T, every single person was phenomenal. And now they all have on their resume a big film like this. So my hope is that they, they're never questioned again. Because for me to, to I said cast, which is true, I cast my crew in the same way I cast my actors, because you are creating an environment, a collective. Um, I still had to fight for some because they didn't have the resume. But my argument was, this is my sixth film. I know what I need to realize my vision. I need some trust here. And everybody came through. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I mean, and speaking of like opportunities coming off the back of this, you know, I don't know what conversations you've had since the film opened, but it's been a big success. Are you now feeling accepted as an action director after, you know, the old guard and this, it feels like that that's surely a conversation we can all put to rest. This is definitely something in your wheelhouse. I mean, the, the beauty of, I mean, the old guard, like then cemented me in the big sandbox. But I feel like all my work, including the old guard, led me to be able to tell this story in the way that it needed to be told, to put this story out in the world that obviously Hollywood and studios were scared about because it was different, um, but also because there's action in it and to success of the old guard, I did have some trust that, okay, well, we know that she can do that. And now with this, which has been beautiful, the... The response to it, the fact that Hollywood itself is pushing and pulling for this film, wanting it to succeed because of what it says about the change in Hollywood that we've been wanting for so long. So, um, yeah, I can say, yes, absolutely. I'm I'm good. But I want the success for others like Patty Jenkins, Ryan Coogler, their success pushed that door open for me to step through. and now my success allows others to step through and that's what it needs. Success begets success in Hollywood. So let's just keep that door open and pull others up so that more stories can be told from more and different lenses. Absolutely. Cause this isn't, you know, those were both superhero movies. I'm sure there were some people out there who were still clinging to the old myths and going, Oh, well that's superhero movies. Those are different. Yes. You know, this one, I mean, there's elements of superhero maybe about some of these women, but they are not wearing a cape. So, you know, come on. No, it's, that was absolutely the difference and what excited me about it. And we want, I just, it's as simple as we should be in every genre. And this is a historical epic and we've never been in that before in this capacity. We've been the wife or the girlfriend of the wronged, you know, mistress or maiden um, this is different. And yeah, we needed this to be a success so that more stories could be told that don't just have to be in the superhero space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was that horrifying statistic that, um, uh, you know, with the, the black women who've been nominated for Oscars over the years, almost all of them played slaves, maids, or mothers, uh, you know, like, come on, you know, this is, this is God, as you say, open doors and, and increase the opportunities available. 
Yeah, this this cast are extraordinary yeah. and they give extraordinary performances. And I love that all of them are in the conversation as they should be, not only because their craft is impeccable and what they brought just moves you, but the degree of difficulty of this role to not only be great actors, but the training that they did to embody these, these characters in the right way. On top of that, learning dancing and singing in another language on top of dialect, like the degree of difficulty is very, very high and they passed all of it. Absolutely. And the sheer charisma could like move mountains, I feel like. <laughs> sure, seriously. <laughs> well, listen, I think I've actually run over my time, so I better wrap it up. But uh, thank you so much. And uh, have you any idea yet what you're going to do next? Are you, are you in the planning stages or are you still taking a well-deserved rest after this one? I haven't got my rest yet, so I'm really <laughs> looking forward to my nap. Um, and then, and then I'll make a decision, but I'm just excited. I'm living in the moment, which I don't often do. And, uh, so just enjoying this and then I'll take a break and then come back with hopefully something special. Fingers crossed. Well, I can't wait to see whatever it is. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. All right. So that was Chena Prince-Bythewood. And now it is time to talk about the Woman King and uh, Kalechi Anamon. Should we start in, as we always do in these spoiler specials, in general terms, where do you stand on the Woman King? Uh, you don't stand on the Woman King because she will rip your throat out. <laughs> That's true. But where do you stand on the film itself? Kalechi, let's start with you. As... Ladies first, I guess. Oh! oh. Woman, woman, woman King first. Woman King. Woman Thank King you first. very much. <laughs> I have, I, for me, as we, I mean, we've, we're going to quietly, well, not quietly, but just go to and allude to for full, full, full pace. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely one of my favorite films of last year. I mean, the press, the, the multimedia screen that <laughs> Mon and I were in was probably one of the best cinematic moments, <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. uh, being in the audience watching that film. Um, and it was predominantly black. And us all as a, as a community reacting to the different nuances, John Boyega basically channeling my Nigerian uncle kind of vibe. <laughs> Everything was so on point. And then you have this empowering story of black female soldiers who kick ass, who are badass. They're everything that you, you know, cinema, modern cinema lacks. And that's a lot, that goes down to a lot of with how history has been taught, how Hollywood's taken the sampled that history and basically have deemed black characters to be, well, you're just a slave. You're just a mammy figure. You're just a black best friend. And here is a film that basically is unapologetic about how black women can be and be seen. And the representation is so powerful. I've left that cinema screening so empowered. It, levitating. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. What were the big moments? Because I, I, I haven't seen I haven't, I haven't seen with an audience. So what was, oh, the, what, was the, what was the big moment that got people going? Because you know, there's a lot of pathos in this film as well. There's a lot of, yeah. It's a lot of hard-hitting emotions. So imagine you're not punching the air when, say, Lashana Lynch gets killed. You're not going, yes! No. So no. What's, the, what's the big moment that gets the crowd united? My favourite moment of the film, one of the best moments of any film last year, <laughs> the moment which... When Thor shows up. <laughs> You took the words No. It is when, and it's the moment where I, I watched this film with my sister-in-law and my mother. And my sister-in-law, as soon as the film ended, basically, she was talking to me about this moment. It is when the big battle is happening. And Naniska, there's a guy, there's a soldier who 
fires a bullet and she deflects it with her sword <laughs> and the sword drops. Izogi happens to be standing right next to her, immediately hands Naniska her sword yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they proceed to beat them. That moment is why cinema was created. I'm not going to go too much in a hyperbole, but it's why cinema was created. That oh, moment right, is phenomenal. All right, all right Natasha Bedifield. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. It's so good. I yeah. love it. I love that bit. And it's a hyperbole, Amon. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! Calm down, Chris. Oh God! Oh God! Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. What yeah. was I doing? Uh, put yourself in the shoes of that poor soldier. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, there, there are very few moments in cinema that are as much I immediately regret this decision as, <laughs> as that moment. That's a very, very cool moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. It's, it's my favorite. Um, but yeah, as as you was saying all throughout that screening there were so many really fun moments a lot of which to do with John Boyega for the reasons he said <laughs> um, but yeah just the cultural recognition even when even in moments which are very very serious there's a moment when Nawi uh, played by Tuzan Bedu talks back to Viola Davis basically it's like it is you who is arrogant and if you know anything about our culture, you do not talk to your elders like that. And the reaction is like, eh? it's like, what is this woman doing? Um, so there's stuff like that that just enhanced the uh, experience for me and yeah. clearly for you in a big way. Yeah, because, yeah, as Amon says, we don't talk back to our elders like not that. Like so, that. like, unless you value your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. I, I've been told. I've been told. <laughs> yeah. I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a Northern Irish household where we're talking back to uh, elders was not encouraged either. But uh, mm. yeah, my wife, my wife is very much like no, yeah. no, absolutely. And she and you have this this thing as as well. I'm sure, guys. But she does this thing where she like every elder black lady that she meets is auntie. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I yep. love that. I wouldn't do that. If you do that in Northern Ireland, you get slapped. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, we're one big family. We really are. Yeah. We really are. Amazing, amazing. Um, so, it's interesting you're talking about family because, you know, there's a, there's a family story at the heart of this movie, which I think is teased out really, really nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, you know, the, the relationship between Inawi and Naniska, um, which is beautifully played and surprised me going into it because I wasn't sure what the movie was going to be initially. And it has all these different shades. It has all these different tones of different genres. And you know, at one point, it's this you know story of this young young woman who's rising up and becoming this fearsome warrior. And there's a lot of training montages. There's a lot which I love. I love a training montage. Or is it a battle movie? Or does it have something else on its mind as well? But then at the at the heart of it is this lovely intimate story of of friendship, mm. but also family which i didn't expect did you guys expect that going in that there would be something that you know that gina prince by would would personalize the story in a surprising way i mean you have to think about her, about her previous film like the old god because it's very much centered through a theme i try not to hold on now hold on no, now the earphones the are coming off <laughs> the earphones like, are coming no, off james dyer already made the mistake of giving that movie two no. stars before having to no. retract his <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> back on point. Um, <laughs> back on point. I'm going uh, to edge the, near the door here. <laughs> this could have been a tactical error. <laughs> when I say I didn't want to think about it, it's because if I think about it, I just think it's too good. And uh-huh. if anything, uh-huh. I get stuck in some sort of stupor and uh-huh. don't go about the rest of my day. Uh-huh. That's what I meant. Kalechi. Whatever. <laughs> You're saving yourself the hassle. 
um, I guess you have to think back to um, Gina's previous film, The Old God, and how much that film. That's right. Yeah. I've done a bit. <laughs> We've gone through this before, Chris. <laughs> and just how, like, it centers through that female gaze and how she just basically takes on that story. Because when you think about fe- um, stories that are based around, um, especially for black female stories, it, no, no, it's it's like no one cares about it. No one actually brings that to the forefront um, in enough way, you know, because Hollywood still wants to kind of believe that, oh no, black women are these certain stereotypes. And what Gina has done, especially through this storyline, which yes, it's very much part Braveheart. Yes, it's part um, war movie. Yes, it's everything else that maybe you would like see from old Hollywood that is very representative of the cinema going crowd, what gets people excited. But at the at the end of it and the heart of it, as you said, Chris, it is about a mother and daughter relationship. Mm. Some of my favorite films from last year were mother and daughter relationships. I mean, I was on the podcast last time for Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. um, Turning Red, um, everything, every everything, everywhere, all at once. Turning Red was last year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, it, and those that that for me that was like the, for the Woman King that was like almost like the the tip of the iceberg in terms of seeing the different facets of female sisterhood, um, family, and how we deal with conflicts. It's not always going to be, you know, the, the the aggressive kind of thing. It's a different perspective and a different life that, unfortunately, cinema has not really gotten used to, never really see, never really see it on, on our screens. Mm-hmm. So for me, watching The Woman King... It was a breath of fresh air to see that relationship cultivate over that over that um, that runtime. The nuance mm-hmm. and the totality of womanhood I expected because this is Gina Prince Bidewood we're talking about. You've been doing that yep. since literally Love and Basketball, yep. a masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. get on it. The family thing between Nawi and Naniska I did not expect, and I think it was done really really well. I appreciated how un-Hollywood it was in its storytelling. Even to the point at the very, very end when Naniska is ready to acknowledge that Nawi, you are my daughter. In a Hollywood movie, that is when the big hugs are coming out, the music is sweeping, all the rest of it. Nawi has to leave and she's like, I'm not ready for this. Mm -hmm. It's only like the next scene or a couple of scenes after that, okay, she is ready to now sort of accept that and I think one of the final sort of images we see is them, them dancing to each other. That is just the nuance, the, 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 the humanity of that moment, rather than going big Hollywood, is sort of emblematic of everything Gina Pitts-Bidewood is doing in this movie. I loved it. Yeah. I think it was interesting as well that, that uh, uh, yeah, it, it gives the film emotional stakes. I mean, there's a lot of great friendships in the movie and a lot of great uh, relationships in the film as well. But mm-hmm. I also think it, 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 it not softens is the wrong word for uh, Viola Davis's character, Naniska, but it it gives her dimensions mm-hmm. that I think if this had been just a two-hour, 15-minute long movie about a group of hardcore warriors and there was no nuance, as you say, and there was no subtlety of emotion to them, it would become, you know, it would still be a kick-ass thing with kick-ass battle scenes, but it would become a little bit one-note. And yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. you'd be able to infest yourself emotionally in it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I really connected with that, that storyline as well. I thought it was really, really beautifully done. A really beautifully teased out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well because I did not make that connection when they first met I mean they have that scene in the uh, in the in the, ba- in the 
bathing area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what's it called? The pool. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that definition hasn't changed I'm since on. since <laughs> <laughs> You have stolen my words. <laughs> what do you call it? The, uh, the, 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 the wet bit. Yeah. <laughs> the wet bit. So they have that moment when they were in, uh, when uh, uh, Naoi first kind of joins the uh, um, how do you pronounce Agogia. it? Agogia. Because it's, uh, it's Ia, isn't it? Yeah. Agogia. Agogia. Where she first joins the Agajia, and you know, there, there's a moment of connection, but you also get the sense that you know Viola Davis is a little bit like, who is this young girl? She's not, you know, the who is this young buck? She's not really kowtowing to her ways, and she might have to be put in her place. And it just really, really subtly teases out the information that she's, you know, that that Naniska suffered horrendous, you know, sexual assaults and sexual abuse in her time as as uh, as a captive. And then from there, it's you st- I still didn't make the dots. You know, it was only until the last scene. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's really, really, really artfully done. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the sense of, okay, she had something in her past. And then there was a the, a baby in the second that, you know, it, it, the audience, I think, cotton told it almost at the exact same time as she does. I think that's actually fairly smart screenwriting. She's begun to join the dots. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, a wild coincidence, of course. But I think the film... And Prince Byth would make it work. Yeah. Yeah. The outlandishness of it all. One of the first things my mum told me in discussing this film was how impressed she was at the method Naniska uses to identify Nawi as her daughter, which mm. is something that I'm not sure if you know, but it's actually something that African tribes used to do, yeah. which is like put something sort of in the body yeah. and then sort of remove it. And okay, yeah, I, I know who you are, uh, which is really, really smart um, as well. But yeah, I love the way it's teased out. And the dimensions you mentioned are critical. Um, because again, it's about the totality of womanhood, not just for Naniska, but for several other characters. One of the most amazing things about this, I don't just love and connect and know who Naniska is as a character. It's Naniska, it's Amenza, mm-hmm. it's Nawi, mm-hmm. it's Azogir. There are so many women up and down the cast who feel fully sketched out. Yeah, and like it's not just one or two dimensions. Like we know so much about them, and then that that friendship and that sisterhood which links them. It's really, really impressive storytelling. I think it's very key that the film is, for most of it, is the point of view from Nawe mm-hmm. because you see her mm-hmm. entering the the palace of women. Yeah, um, and then Inzogi comes along, and it's like always oh, Ibe was Inzogi, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like teaching her the ropes just to help her yes. survive. Mm-hmm. That's a great through, moment, by the way. Yeah, yeah. to teach her. Yeah. <laughs> I am a Zogi. Yeah, I am a Zogi. <laughs> yeah. Just mm-hmm. showing her that the path of what it takes to become part of the Dahomey um, tribe and and um, going back to what you say, it's the the whole generational conflict between um, Naniska and Nawe because Nawe is just perfect as this, you know, young, fearless, independent don't forget, she was also before she even entered um, the the kingdom. Basically, she was basically being, being sold, about to be sold mm-hmm, off. Mm-hmm. Um, in to, the that would have been an unhappy marriage. Yeah, marriage, not to slavery. Yeah, 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 for marriage. And the whole film in itself is talking about how women is are in positions where they are treated in subservience. Mm-hmm. subservience whether it's slavery, whether it's sexual assault and rape, whether mm-hmm. it's um, being traded, whether it's being sold off for marriage and so forth. So through Naniska and Nawe and as a mom, you know, 
greatly said as well with the whole of the the tribe you get a sense of those perspectives and those stories mm-hmm. and how they really connected so it really builds the emphasis of now these women are together they mm-hmm. are working as one to battle their own freedoms and also fight against the world that basically says no nah, you're not you're not worth it because mm-hmm. every time like the oil is like you know mm-hmm. they, we were defeated by a woman, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's like that's that that kind of slide like saying, well, why, why can't a woman defeat mm-hmm. it, everything that the the uh, goji do? Basically, is a defiance of the whole entire community and generation. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how much did you know about this story uh, about the about you know Dahme or about the goji? Did you know any of this stuff before this movie came along? You know, honest, no, quite, honest answer, no. Yeah. Um, but but through Love of Black Panther, obviously, um, the Agoji um, inspired the Dora Milaje. Correct. And yeah. then we, you know, get the success of Black Panther and then... Which begets this. Which yeah. begets this, yeah. 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 It's interesting because um, I, I was reading about how this movie came about and, you know, um, weirdly it started with Maria Bello, mm-hmm. of all people. Yeah. yeah. Which I, you know, if you could have put me down and said... Which actress was the one who started the ball rolling that led to the Woman King? And I could have gone through a thousand people before it came to Maria Bello, yeah. uh, who, of course, is, is producer and is credited with the story as well, alongside uh, Dana Stevens, the writer. I think Gina Prince-Bythewood also did a pass on the script, but probably she did. uncredited. Yeah, she did. Um, but, yeah, it's fascinating. So she went to Benin, which is what I believe Dahmi became ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and found out this story about the Agoji. Now, this is before Black Panther comes out. So this is 2015, 2014, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, you know, she's presenting, like she starts developing this movie. And she starts, there's a story here about this incredible tribe of warrior women who were just they'll be formidable, like just badasses. Uh, and one day she was presenting an award to Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. I don't know, does this footage exist online? Because I tried looking for it and I couldn't find it. But, I don't think so. Uh, and she, she, she took her shot yeah. <laughs> in front of a crowd of people mm-hmm. and just said, look, I'm doing this thing. Would you like to be in it? And the entire crowd as one answered for Viola Davis. And then obviously they went through different studios and different developments and whatnot before finally finally uh, landing at Gina Prince-Bythewood's store. Uh, but it's an absolutely wild story, just how, how it came to be. But also, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the cultural significance of the, uh, the Agoji is, is huge, as you say. No Goji, no Dormalaji. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying, um, I actually found this out on on um, IMDb when it was stuck in development hell. That's where I get all my news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the original budget was five million. Like STX mm. offered them five million to uh, make yeah. the film. Yeah, no. and it was only after the success of Black Panther then they um, and then it went to Sony TriStar. Then Put it was zero like, on the end. Yeah, it's now it's yeah. then it's now fifty million budget, 50 million, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. It's also after the success of. The old guard, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which proved that Gina Prince Bridewood could do action on a bigger scale, and this is you know the biggest film that she's done, and everything that she has done in her career has been leading up to this moment, and I think you can see that on screen. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that there it's it's only fifty million. I mean, we should say that comparatively, that is peanuts, mm-hmm. right? So to to mount something of this scale. Uh, offer fifty million is is great, and what's more impressive about it is that the amount of, or rather, should I say, the lack of obvious green screen slash volume work. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it would be very easy 
one of the criticisms you could level at Marvel lately is that they've retreated too much into green screen mania and you 100%. know and you know we'll just we'll just guys don't worry, we'll shoot this and it'll all look great in post um it's a bit more complex than that i understand <laughs> but sometimes and i understand you can't go to the quantum realm because it doesn't exist and you can't go to certain realms because they don't exist but sometimes there are certain action scenes or even just dialogue scenes in a marvel movie or even not just a marvel movie uh you know throw a dart at the blockbuster and they'll have shot it on a soundstage or they'll have shot it against green screen for, for lots of reasons to take the complexity of the sun out of the, and, you know, the, you know, the, the just vagaries of shooting a location and what that does to you, to, you know, to take those all out of the equation. And you can understand it to a point, but it does lead to an artificiality of image. Mm. That's not the case here because there's so much. It was like five months on location in South Africa and mm-hmm. it just, it absolutely shows when they're fighting on location the dust is real. The buildings are real. At least, you know, they look real. They're probably just cardboard. But, you know, that <laughs> was huge yeah. for me as well. Yeah, And also the fact that they spent like four months in training and they did all their own stunts. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that commitment to authenticity that yeah. really, really shows. Because, yes, that really is Sheila Tim twirling her spear like a badass <laughs> uh, and then stabbing a colonizer. Very, very cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? That's what she what does. Is, 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 is why, did, why, did you, why did you lock eyes with me at that? I'm on set colonizer and they looked at me for 30 Chris, seconds straight. Chris is like, don't judge me now. Don't judge me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it was very, very cool. And yeah. th- that, that work absolutely shows up on screen. It's good. It's good. It is good. Um, now, obviously, there's been also some some controversy about historical accuracies or inaccuracies and things like that. Now, I with, with historical movies like this, I'm always of a mind to just go, you know what? If you told it exactly the way it was, it'd be really dull. You have to take certain liberties. <sighs> okay. Um... Should we list what some of those are? Genuinely, people don't know what, what some of the inaccuracies... Basically... The main thrust of it is that the Dahomey were complicit in the slave trade and that this movie was glorifying uh, that. Uh, it's basically what the main thrust of it is. We've got a lot of issues with this. Uh, firstly, because a lot of the people who were drumming this up had not seen the film. The film wasn't even out at that point and I was getting tweets <laughs> in my mentions when I was tweeting about the women going, oh, I can't believe you're supporting this film about, you know, slave traders. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if I'm, if I'm getting it, the amount of nonsense that Gina Prince Bide mm-hmm. and everyone else must be getting is insane. Um, the film does not glorify it. The film actually addresses it, mm-hmm. uh, something which the people who are doing those tweets uh, obviously weren't aware of because they hadn't seen the film. Maybe they're not aware of it now because they probably still haven't seen the film. But the film makes that part of the story that is turning. And I think it does it in a really, really good way. But the big thing for me here is that, yes, this is to a degree messing with history. But when it comes to a film by a black woman especially, it feels like it's made the dominant narrative in a way that it isn't for other films which take historical liberties. You think about Braveheart, 
I there's, mean, a, there's a lot of that which is not historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Braveheart is a film. Virtually nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't but think Braveheart it? necessarily, it's been pasted over the years for the lack of accuracy. Lack of accuracy? The inaccuracies. But Yes, but, yeah. was, but the thing is, Braveheart went on to go and win Best Picture. Yep. Think about Gladiator, a film which I is one of my favorite films of all time. I love it to mm-hmm. death. I'm not going to quote Maximus Desperate Readers because I've done it several times before. But... <laughs> It's. But that is a film that went on to go and win Best Picture at the Oscars. With this, and also with Selma, the Ava DuVernay film, mm-hmm. the historical inaccuracies have become such a dominant narrative that they've actually harmed the, the, these campaigns to the point where the Women King has got nominated for absolutely nothing. And the thing which is ridiculous about that in addition to those comparisons between Braveheart and Gladiator, is that the Woman King has done everything right. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm saying that there's a bias here that must be addressed because it you know, debuted number one at the box office, A-plus cinema score, critically lauded, all of these things. If you substitute the blackness for whiteness, look at, look at Braveheart, look at Gladiator, best picture, Best actor, best director, bang, bang, bang. I mean, it's hard to then look at The Woman King and see it be completely shut out. It wasn't snubbed, as Juniper Spidewood said in a really great article for The Hollywood Reporter. If you have not read that, go and seek it out because everything she's saying there is 1,000% true. Mm-hmm. When you look at what happened with The Woman King, there are question marks because it's just like, hold on. It's done everything right. <laughs> it's like something. the most Oscar-friendly type of it's film. Like, it's, it's Oscar bait. It's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> People are talking yeah. about this as Oscar bait yeah. before it's coming out. Because and it, and it, it's doesn't feel, it doesn't even feel like an Oscar bait. That's how, that's exactly. how bad. That's how bad the snub, the snub, and the discourse, the discourse. Has even been. Viola mm. Davis didn't get nominated. That's, how, that's <laughs> like, insane. Yeah. But, <laughs> she turns up on set and reads a phone book. She gets nominated. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's wild. And I would watch her do that because she's that good. Um, so yeah, I'd the get inter- bored around the D's. <laughs> there's a point there's a point when you would get bored it doesn't matter how good the actor is Daniel Day-Lewis could spend months pretending to be uh, the phone book and then he would come in and you'd, you'd just you'd sack it off after the seas yeah. I really want to test this theory get Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis Denzel and Viola just have them read, <laughs> yeah, read the phone book Let's one by one and then, the, and then the Oscar goes to Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> Denzel and Viola did most of the work okay. as Um, so so yeah the entire awards conversation in regards to that has been very frustrating to see Mm. because in my view I mean I watched it again last night it's so deserving of so many more accolades than it's getting it hasn't been you know not been getting any love elsewhere Mm -hmm. but the fact that it's got completely shut out from other Oscars is insanity to me frankly yeah I mean it Kind of um, going off what Amon was saying about um, it, the, the snub. I mean, we could do another podcast and talk about how vo- <laughs> voters and how they intend to kind of vote in, in these films, especially when Gina experienced um, voters who were like, ah, oh, you know, I wasn't sure <sighs> the Woman King was for me. Like it was. And that kind of says to me that, A, you you not open-minded to go mm-hmm. and watch a, watch a film that is very much different from your own experience and you're basically using your prejudice and bias to kind of almost think about what a film is going to be be for you and what it is is that is the, people are not comfortable it, it's almost like they're not comfortable with seeing a black a successful black director not 
uncomfortable seeing a black successful actress and an entire black cast. Most of the the people who worked behind the scenes as crew were black as well or people of color. So it's kind of like and women as well. Yeah, yeah women Jennifer as well. Spider was very very keen to promote women. Yeah, as, as so as it's department. kind of like Gina's made a film that has been her dream to make. She's been always wanted to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And here's the, scale, the, of, of the of scale, the scale, yeah. yeah. Because if you ask, you know, if this film, let's put this into the context, if this film was given to James Cameron, I'm sure budgets, oh everything gosh. would not be a question. It'd be 500 but, million. Yeah, exactly. It'd be <laughs> Avatar money. <laughs> really it, it would be Avatar money. Mm-hmm. But yeah. here is a black female director and here you've got the biggest black star that we have that we have as a community and they're struggling to get this film made they're struggling to get this film seen mm-hmm. get this film into the cinemas without the kind of the prejudice and the biases that come along with ah oh, you know it's a different ah oh, it's not for me oh it's it's too woke it's whatever mm-hmm. that oh, do you know what i mean yeah, all of yeah. that kind of stuff it's depressing and it's sad because as amon alluded to those kind of TikTok videos that kind of came out, that came out and was like, oh, it's inaccurate, you know, don't go and support this film. That did damage, you know, that did serious damage because you're judging a film based on something that, yes, history is ugly, is complicit, but also it's written through a white lens. This yes, is, that's, this is a great point. It's written through a white lens. So this is an opportunity for a film to almost re-educate the audience mm. and that's what this film does it re-educates the audience on history but I also firmly believe that that, that films don't owe it to the audience to be 100% accurate exactly. because otherwise they, honestly genuinely it's, they'd be snooze fests yeah mm. it has to tell the best story possible yeah. mm. it has to be and if that, ta- that means taking liberties with certain things then that's fine but it also it's interesting you know I, I thought it was interesting that the uh, that the film doesn't skirt around it does towards the end it reconciles things towards the end mm. but it doesn't skirt around the fact and I've only done the most cursory of Googles on this but that the kingdom of Dahomey was involved in the slave trade and it did profit from the slave trade and I thought that was a really interesting you talk about nuance I thought that was a really interesting nuance to the film that uh, you know even though they are realising that you know this is not great and you know I, I don't know whether they did entirely knock it on the head the way they do in, in the film in real life but they do in the film. And I thought that was, that was very, very, that, that engagement, t- tackling something like that head on, I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah. 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 As I said, they, they could have quite easily skirted it if they wanted to, but that is not what Gina Prince-Bidewood did or does. And I'm glad that it was embedded into the story. There's actually an LA Times article that was uh, published around the time of the theatrical release where Gina Prince-Bidewood and I think another one of her collaborators go into some depth on the immersive deep dive that they did. Mm. Because as you said, a lot of the history that we're hearing from is written by colonial forces. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of research finding sources that weren't sort of uh, Mm white-led and brought some of that into the story. Um, I need to go back and reread it to get specific on them. Yeah, but which bits are which and which... Yeah, is, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I trust in the work that they did to bring that and enhance the story with that as well. Um, so, what do you think? I mean, you know, we're talking about the Oscar conversation. Mm. Um, you know, I'm looking at the Best Picture nominees right now. <laughs> And, Avatar, yeah. The Way of Water. Would you, would you, I don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, who would nominate the third, third biggest film of all time? But that's, that's one of those yeah. ones where it gets nominated for a success, right? But The Woman King is a success. Hollywood usually likes to reward success with Oscar nominations. It didn't in this case. But I'm looking at the rest of the nominees. Like, you know, 
I think there are ones in there that you could you could absolutely say, okay, these are locks, Maverick, and everything everywhere all at once, and you know, um, no, that's Tar. Maybe I'm looking at this and uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Otherwise, I think everything else is up for grabs. Yeah, even mm-hmm. something like All Quiet on the Western Front, which is you know great to see a you know German language movie. You know, obviously dominated the BAFTAs, and it's great to see it being recognised on the big stage like this. But you know, really, Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, I think Elvis, it, which I you know yeah. it's a film that I kind of f- fell f- fell into in a way because Elvis is in some ways not a great film, but it bludgeons you over the head until you like it. It's Stockholm yeah. Syndrome's you. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that not the postal code? Honestly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking about honestly, I was thinking about on the DLR this morning into uh, into a screening that I cannot say. Uh, but I was on my way into into central London today, and, and for some reason I started thinking about Elvis. And I remember mm. I started thinking about how poisonous reviews of Elvis, the early reviews were. Like David Ehrlich wrote like a one thousand, two thousand word just excoriation that just Jeez. tore the film apart like just <laughs> tore it apart on a molecular level mm-hmm. you know and if any if any film would have died of shame after review it would have been Elvis and yet it just re- it reconstituted itself it was like Senator Kelly and X-Men and it came back <laughs> and is, is, is undefeated now it's just yeah. it's in there it might win best actor you never know but mm. it, it, it's not for me Austin Butler in the best actor race, absolutely. 100%. Film in the best picture race, I'm less convinced of. And I don't really see why The Woman King. I mean, you, you've, 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 you've said it. You've, yeah. you've said why The Woman King. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, but if, yeah, it's, it, it baffles me. I think, I think there's a lot of people who are in the, oh, I don't know, this is for me camp. I don't know. I, it, like, it's, it bothers me that that quote leapt out of me too because mm-hmm. it's like, how is going to see the Woman King a chore for you? You should be yeah. jazzed. You should be and it's not just the voters. It's in many ways the wider industry itself. If you yep. go back and look at the opening weekend and the tenor of the articles which are coming out as the numbers were starting to roll in, surprisingly, Woman King... Is, is number one surprise this surprise that nobody expected this film to do well even though I talked to you mm-hmm. I talked to basically any other black person in a circle we are all pumped for this film yeah. and rightfully so so it's a wider film industry thing of when it comes to black women for some reason just not being able to relate um, again, which is something which Gina Prince Bridewood touched on in that incredible Hollywood Reporter article. So yeah, it's just frustrating. It goes back to the whole myth that black films don't sell overseas, which is which ridiculous. is which is mad. Honestly, yeah. even before the, uh, the first Black Panther came out, I remember looking at the projections and think this film is going to make double what you're saying mm-hmm. and I was right should have a guaranteed that maybe that yeah. was the first among guaranteed who knows um, but I'm on hindsight I'm on hindsight oh that's yeah. another one my, I'm, on... my, 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 I'm afraid I need, that's I need, right, I need to I need to design some badges for you in the canvas or yes. something like that <laughs> I'm afraid I'm on hindsight is a Hewitt uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it, buddy. I coined that. Kletchi, you need to come up with some of this. You're being left out of the nonsense. Um, well, my, my nickname is Special K, so, you know. This is true. Special K? Yeah. This is true. Nothing, really? relate, nothing relates to the drugs or all the cereal, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Just want to stipulate I'm, that. I'm very, <laughs> or very, like, when someone, when someone calls our empire, like, what's up 
someone please think of the children? I'm very old and tragically unhappy. And believe me, if someone was going to call up and say, please think of the children, they would have done it a long time ago. Uh, I'm, tra- I'm very old and tragically unhip. So there's a drug called Special K? Yes, it's, okay. it's, a, it's basically ketamine. Oh, yeah, okay. so the nickname okay. for that. Is I'm on it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Explains everything. I, about, yeah, I have no memory of, oh of doing this podcast. My God. <laughs> as I'm doing. It's wild. It's wild. But you know what? I love you guys. <laughs> we love you too, Christopher. Yes, Chris. um, but yeah. A special I... bond in the room. <laughs> Hot, hot, hot shape for you, man. I feel it right there, man. Oh, my word. But yeah, I remember looking at Black Panther, the numbers, initial numbers of being like, Black Panther's going to do much better than this. And it ended up, you know, breaking records. So, yeah, um, even though I could see The Woman King being successful, the the wider industry response just is... Um, still, still isn't there. Where's the knock-on effect for Black Panther, for example? Like, really, like, genuinely. I mean, yeah. You could, you could mm. argue that this film is part of that. Mm-hmm. That uh, Columbia TriStar and by I love their logo. I love their logo. It, makes, it feels like you're in a special place when you see that that little. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just good. It's just you know we should do a show one day on the best studio logos. That would be absolutely oh, up there, and, and the best studio theme tunes as well. That'd be great. Uh, oh. <laughs> I know it's not like Columbia TriStar, but I love it. Um, anyway, are you are you saying that you're willing to put other studio logos above Marvel here? Is that what you're saying? And that's not what I said. I'm okay, okay. put the words so, so, I'm okay, just okay. going to be in the corner just sitting. Like, what was that? That's tone down the hyperbole, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> just tone that down for a second. Uh, but yeah, what was I saying? Something about the film. Anyway, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> oh, the knock on effect, the knock on yeah. effect of, of Black Panther. This film is clearly a film that they felt emboldened by the box office mm-hmm. from Black Panther to say there is an audience out there for films fronted by black women, directed by a black woman. Yes, let's go for it. But, you know, how many other black-led films have, have, have there really been of that scale since Black Panther? None. And it feels like Shang-Chi hasn't really unlocked yeah. the door either. I mean, it's only been a couple of years really since yeah. Shang-Chi, but... If that. It feels like almost like movie tokenism in the sense of like we'll just push out one black film Here's or one, one. Asian, and then yeah. that's your, that's your that's your lot for the year. And, what do you, you mean know? you want to make another one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just really weird to me that we keep on having to reprove what has been proven yep. over and over and over again. Before Black Panther, we had Girls Trip. Girls Trip made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Where's the knock-on effect from that? That There's so many times yep. where we've proven this black films don't sell things as a myth. Yep. And yet, we're still having these same conversations about having these films make it so hard to get made. Black woman filmmaker getting the chance. If this movie doesn't do well, will that lead to worse chances? We're still having these conversations, even though we know that if we're given the time, the money, the effort, the budget, good things happen. Exactly. It's really strange to me. Well, should we have a? Uh, in that case, let's, let's steer back onto the film itself and talk mm. about the film. Uh, we've got about eight minutes left. Kalechi has very kindly foregone lunch to have this conversation. <laughs> and you can see the regret burned into her eyes, quite frankly. What would the you thing, have had? The things I do for you, Chris. <laughs> Just to jump on an Empire podcast. I, 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 I went know. to Pure beforehand. I had I chicken picante. It was very nice. Good for you, man. Before Kalechi passes out of hunger and I pass out of, frankly, an overdose of Special K. <laughs> Let's talk about the film itself. Because, yeah, 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 you know, the, the sequences, the characters that really stand out for you. Lashana Lynch stands out for oh, me. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was so much fun, so commanding, so mesmerizing in this movie. And uh, I, you know, 
you knew that they weren't all going to make it out unscathed. Mm. But when she gets very scathed, it's yeah. it's yeah. A, it's a tough one to take. And I think actually kind of. I don't know. Did the film really take the time to mourn her loss in a way? I don't know. Maybe that's one little criticism I'd level at it. That I don't know whether the other characters feel the impact of her loss the way that the audience does. There's one, one moment. You think about the, the end scene, the post-credit or... I'm thinking of something before that. Okay, cool, Although cool, cool. that moment yeah. is also another moment. But yeah, yeah. there's when... <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is great content. Yeah. <laughs> Are you thinking of that moment? Just, no, I'm thinking of another moment. We're so in sync, guys. We're so in sync. <laughs> People at home are going, which, which, moment, which moment is this? Well, I was thinking of the post-credit scene, almost like a Marvel-esque, where where's, uh, Amenza is praying over um, the lost souls um, and, you know, and just remembering them. And obviously, you know, um, Izogi is part of that, mm-hmm. that conversation. But mm-hmm. yeah. I'm thinking the moment when Naniska and Amenza arrive to free Nawi and the other prisoners. Yeah. And they are told that Izogi is dead. And they like, there's a stunned silence for a good five to 10 seconds before they gather themselves, like, okay, we're going to free you. And all of them are about to die, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's the moment that stuck out to me. But Izogir Lashana Lynch is just fantastic. The way she flits from humor to badassery <laughs> and back again is great. And even before she says a word, <laughs> there's that great scene that opens the movie, essentially, mm-hmm. where the Agogir raid the Mahi people. <laughs> in that fight, <laughs> which is our first sort of introduction yeah. to Izogi. This is, this is I mean, she, has, she has the nails, which yeah, are yeah, incredible. The, yeah. Oh, the but nails. Yeah. The, the nails are incredible. But she in nails. that fight, <laughs> she gets hit. And the look she gives the person <laughs> who hit her is like, you dare even touch me. And then she just, it's so great. It's so great. So that's before we even hear her speak that, yeah. you know, you get some idea of what she's about. Um, but yeah, I, I love the relationship that she has with Nawi. Um, and again, she's so funny. When she's training, <laughs> when, when, when she's training them, <laughs> she has that line, uh, you are not cutting a yam. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like are we training to cook? Yeah, You're cutting like, a body. Exactly. It's so <laughs> not a yam. We <laughs> <laughs> purpose. <laughs> like, it's like... It's so good. That was so good. Yeah. Um, I think my, fa- my favourite other, you know, um, Lashana Lynch moment is even just like right in the early in the beginning where mm. the Goji come back from liberating um, the women from the Mai tribe, mm. and like the, everyone's in the everyone's in the streets, and they're like, you, "You're not supposed to look. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to look at the Goji, you know." And so there's that, that, that already there's that command and that respect for for the for the warriors. And this little boy is just kind of like, "I'm just gonna peek and just see it." And then the Shana Lynch uh, <laughs> sort of notices it, walks over, and you think, "Uh oh." Yeah. Something, something's gonna happen. This boy's gonna get his ass whooped or something like that. Mm. And then she just gives him the smile. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love I love, I love that. <laughs> Aside from Izogi, I mean, there's so many stands we mentioned. Sheila yeah. Tim as a mentor, yeah. I think is great. Um, but John Boyega as King Gezo. We we have we have to talk about we John Boyega. To, we have to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> but I just he's a really great character. He is kind and understanding. I love the relationship that he has with Naniska. But he also knows he's a king and he carries himself as such. And mm. it's so good. Every time this man takes a seat, <laughs> it's a moment because he like he sort of loves his caper points and then he sits down like my seat. It's so, so good. And then <laughs> there's a line that he has in one of the final scenes, which 
I really took two. Uh, so much that Kalechi was on the receiving end of this. I apologize. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. No. Um, I did a few voice notes too. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to stitch oh, a good it, line. It was just, we're just exchanging that line oh, like every time we greet each other. Like, <laughs> I'm going to save it for Mark because he's going to do it better. But yeah, but right, we're just... Right. Like, <clears throat> Let me get ready for this. <clears throat> this is a big moment. Oh, dear God. People of the homie, we have ended the reign of the oil empire. That's not the end. <laughs> <laughs> The way he delivers it, it's so phenomenal. And you know, as you mentioned, channeling the uncles yeah. in the performance. He like, has that moment. <laughs> He's like, you, you, go. I told you what. I told you what. <laughs> when his wife is oh, his wife is gone, yeah. It's so great. Like, Nigerian uncles, we don't mess around. They don't mess around. So they're very straight and blunt to the point. Yeah. So like even, even something where Nawi wins the, the trials and he's like, if she wasn't so skilled, I would have made her my wife now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was like, just about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, great. Yeah. He's great. And and thank God, frankly, we're talking about a man. It's been it's been <laughs> it's been too long. Women have had it all their own way. Uh, Amon, what would you say about that? That's interesting. <laughs> oh my God! You actually had that saved. I got an Amon woman sound. Oh on my, my phone. God. <laughs> At any moment, at a moment's notice, I can I can recreate any of Amon's opinions. Every, every, <laughs> this is a bit scary. Why does it every time I come on this podcast, I just you reveal something new about yourself? <laughs> like, yeah, you have an Amon soundboard. I've got, I've got an Amon room at home. Oh, it's dedicated to him. You know, one day he will become my prisoner. Oh my god, that sounds like something you're like like Ghostface. He always, like, turns, he always turns down my invitations. <laughs> What are you going to do next? Like, call him up. Hello, Emon. Oh, gosh. What's your favourite scary movie? What's your favourite movie about a woman king? Oh, dear me. Right, are we done? I think we're done. There's one more thing I wanted to mention. Okay. It's very predictably me. Uh, Terence Blanchard's score. Oh, um, yes. Is very, very good. It took, took me a while to really fully appreciate it. Um, because I, I still do think there's a couple of moments where it's a little bit overbearing. Um, but when it works, it really, really works. And that theme is really beautiful, very spiritual, very peaceful, very calming, um, but also rousing when it needs to be. Yeah. So that moment when uh, the Niska gets crowned the Women King, mm-hmm. the music is soaring as it should be. But the track which really sticks in my brain is a track called Agoji Return, mm-hmm. which is when you get that Lashana Lynch scene that you were talking yeah. about. Um, but yeah, theme is just very, very calming. It's got that peaceful bongo drums mm-hmm. and the, it's very catchy. Very Oscar. Yes. Yeah. Oscar worthy. <laughs> Last thing, what do we think about the uh, relationship in the film between Malik, uh, uh, played by Jordan Bolger, and Naoui, uh, which, is, which is an interesting one. It's uh, my one criticism of the film. The, the weakest part of the film. It just didn't need to happen. <laughs> I just I like didn't need to romance here. Yeah. I just remember like us in the screening and then when he, when it was like, oh, I, I, I want to take you back home and everyone was just like, uh-huh, no, 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 no. Like, everyone was just like, no, we're not on that. There's a line before that final fight begins like, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to protect you. Yeah. Have you not seen what this woman has been doing? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need she your protection, bro. She can take she care of herself. Really and, you know, 
I, well, the character of Monique, I, I sort of get to a, an extent why he's here in that, again, it's about the totality of being a woman and now he sort of is rebelling against, you know, that part of being an agogier. Um, and so to have that temptation there of a man who is decent to a degree, I get it. But I'm also confused in that this was like, I guess, the big revelation for Malik in that what he is part of to a degree in terms mm. of the same. How have you not noticed that this mm. is what is happening yeah. before now? I, I don't get that. I, I, didn't I guess his, re- his like reasons he's... are a bit more altruistic than his companions. Yes. yes. Who's moustache twirling evil slaver it's, dude. Yes. Whereas he's a little bit more, oh, my mum my was a slave. I understand. Don't worry. I'm actually, I'm not a bad guy. I'm actually doing this for good reasons. <laughs> like saying there's that, like, there's, for every bad colonizer, there's always that one good there's one. There's always that one, <laughs> that one, that one that good colonizer, good but yeah. it's like, it didn't need to happen. It really didn't. It, there's even well, that line when, when Azogi has died and like Malik is like, you know, or sort of Obo, the, hmm. the, the bad sort of, um, yeah. is like, I'll, I'll you, you can have one, if, if you give me 100,000, whatever, yeah. you can have her. So he has his that, own... That money and water exactly. and, and then like, I'm trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you, bro, you're part of the problem. Exactly. You're part I, of the problem. I didn't, I, that didn't quite work for me. Anyway, this is a bit of a down note in which to end this podcast. <laughs> Say something nice about the film. That we haven't al- already said. It's awesome. It's epic. Gina Prince, Blyford's best movie. It's right up there. It's between that and Love and Basketball for me. Ooh. Um, but well, uh, so so yeah, but I I freaking love this movie. Um, I hope it has a long life on home entertainment. I hope more people will discover it. We were actually we're part of a WhatsApp group, and uh, a question was posed to it: that what what's some empowering movies for uh, young women to watch? And I said The Woman King. Uh, so forever, it's going to be part of that conversation, and that's a beautiful thing. Well, it's time for me to close my mouth. I look like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bring this The Woman King spoiler special to an end. Uh, as ever, thank you f- so much for subscribing to the spoiler specials. It means a lot and, and keeps us going, uh, which is great. Keep appealing for more spoiler specials over the next few weeks and months. We're, we're heading into a very fertile time, folks. A very fertile time indeed. <laughs> Weekly Mandalorian episodes. Da, 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 um, and the Wasp, da, 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 Quantumania. Da, da, da. What else? Da, 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 da. We could do the rest of Could be Mandalorian sport special. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot not do it. I know that's the second time we've done that in the podcast recently, but honestly, once that music gets you, it's so it good. I've listened Damn to it in 
obscene amount of times in the last <laughs> week. To be honest, I'm so, so Lud- pumped. Lud- Ludwig's a master. <laughs> he don't miss. He, don't he miss. does and not pumped. miss. He does not miss. <laughs> um, Yes, he's also a world-class archer, apparently. Really? Uh, and, really? No, 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 no. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Take your special K. Just, just. It's fine. Anyway, hyperpole over. That's it for this podcast. It's goodbye from Kalechi Ian Yellow. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> I'm in mid-sip of water. Mid-sip. So yeah, I'm mid-sip. I, I should have said yeah. I couldn't see because of the microphone. No worries. Uh, it's goodbye from Amon Warman, the Warman King. Peace. Peace be unto you, my friend. <laughs> and it's goodbye for me. I'm off to have this lovely, lovely bowl of Special K. Is it cereal or is it drugs? <laughs> Find out next week. <laughs> Find, out next week. <laughs> Find out later on this afternoon when I'm having my stomach pumped in <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. And it's a cereal. Because <laughs> I hate that shit. Bland. Bland cereal. Other cereals are available. Bye.